You're listening to Staying in the Game, a Plum Dragon Herbs podcast where we have conversations on achieving greater health and fitness and natural ways to manage pain. I'm your host, Janelle Leatherwood. Joining us today is Kenton Sefsig, a seasoned acupuncturist and martial artist, author, and mentor. He's also the creator of TCM Graduate TV, where he provides online education to up-and-coming acupuncturists and naturopathic doctors. We're thrilled that he can join us today. Kenton, welcome to our podcast. We're so glad to have you here with us today. And I would love to have you introduce yourself to our guests. I'll do my best. Uh, so my name is Kenton Sefsik. I'm a registered acupuncturist, and I've been practicing acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. I'm in my 11th year. Uh, I'm also a martial artist. I've been practicing traditional Chinese kung fu for 24 years. Wow, that's amazing. So I got started. My usual story, how I kind of tell everybody how I got into all these things, many patients ask me, say, how did you get into acupuncture? And I say, well, I have to back you up to when I was 14 years old. When I was, when I was 14 years old, I was living in my parents' basement, and a commercial came on at about 2 a.m., and it was a white-haired guy beating up ninjas on a bridge. <laughs> so great. I woke up the next morning, and I said, Mom, you have to take me to this kung fu school. And she said, no way. You've quit soccer. You've quit piano. You don't ice skate anymore. There's no way that I'm taking you to a Kung Fu school. But my mom's a little bit of a, a softy for me. I'm adopted. I'm an only child. It only took me about an hour. I always joked that I won her over pretty quickly. And, you know, within a couple of days, uh, she talked to my dad and said, okay, fine, we're taking you to this Kung Fu school. And I'm so grateful that she did because, you know, here I am, uh, 24 years later, you can do the math on how old I am there. And I'm still practicing Chinese Kung Fu, martial arts, I'm obsessed with movement. Uh, Martial arts has been a great way for me to relate with the world of today. And it was through martial arts that I made a very good friend by the name of David Rose, who practices in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And Dave and I became really good friends. And I was the one, he was thinking about Chinese medicine college, of all things. And he said, I don't even know where to start. And he wasn't very internet savvy at the time. And, and so I jumped on the internet and I found a website. I said, well, there's this school, the Alberta College of Acupuncture and Traditional Chinese Medicine in Calgary. This is, this is the only place that's here. So he started going to school there. And it wasn't until he was in third year. And I wasn't really too sure <clears throat> what I wanted to do with my life. And he was the one that kind of put it back on me. And he said, you have to go talk to the dean of my college and I went and talked to the dean, <clears throat> excuse me, and that, that's kind of where that happened. Um, I'd also had a skateboarding injury. I grew up skateboarding and listening to punk rock and hip-hop in, in Calgary. And yeah. I hurt my foot really, really badly on uh, sliding off a curb. And I went for the usuals. You know, I went to the medical doctor. I tried copious amounts of physio. Nothing was happening. And... We rewind the clock again, so Dave was not in third year. He was in first year. He says, you have to go see a third-year acupuncturist. It's only $20. I said, I could afford that. I went in there for two sessions. They put like two or three needles in in the ball of my foot, and I've never had pain in my foot since. Wow. So you kind of put all this up in the air into the mix, and that's how I got into Chinese medicine. I met with the dean of the college. I was completely blown away. I thought, 
thought, wow, this helped my foot pain. I can help everybody else's foot pain. And I learned very quickly that Chinese medicine was a, a complete medical system and I could treat anything from sleep to digestion to fertility to mood. Uh, it was a phenomenal system. So, so yeah, so that's yeah. kind of my story on, on how I got into all this stuff. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And so you enrolled the next year or yeah, so did we, it take you time? No, I enrolled immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, so I talked to the dean, and that that fall I was in there. I was just super passionate about the about the program, uh, and it and it it came it came a little easier to me. And I, and later on, I wondered why. And I figure it's due to the fact that I spent so much time training Chinese kung fu. I would go hang out in Chinatown. I would read Taoist and Buddhist texts, uh, and and I think that had a that that's had a huge impact on my life. Right, because they're all integrated to some extent, and the philosophies really work well together of martial arts and alternative medicine. For sure. How did that education shape your view about martial arts? Did it impact your training at all? It did in the sense that I learned that not only could I hurt somebody I could also heal so mm -hmm. a big part of martial arts is self-defense uh, putting somebody down uh, getting control of them and the, the the Chinese medicine is the other side of that coin it's the helping healing member of your community all those sorts of things so so they definitely complement each other I didn't have the opportunity to learn you know what's really cool is that I've met lots of people that have part They've partook in Kung Fu classes and their instructors taught them some form of healing. Oh, well, you're part, you, you hit your partner, the little sore. They ask the partner to come over. They do a little twina. They do a little bit of, uh, you know, acupressure, that sort of thing. And, they, and that was maybe part of their martial arts education. I didn't get to have that. So uh -huh. the other side of it was that I went to Chinese medicine college. So I got to have it from that side. So, so you've got the hurting and, and the healing, mm -hmm. if you will. So they really complement the yin and the yang. They complement each other. Yes, definitely. So tell us, what are some of the most fascinating things that you find with Chinese medicine? That's a great question. Most fascinating things about Chinese medicine. That the body has an innate ability to heal itself. And all that I think that I'm doing is just kind of reminding it and coaxing it back to health. We don't really force anything to happen. I can't force a patient to have their menstrual cycle return, but I can maybe build enough, build up enough blood stores so that their body can facilitate that. Um, we often hurt ourselves really, really fast, but it takes time to heal. Chinese medicine has taught me patience, perseverance, one foot in front of the next, and martial arts has done that too, my martial arts practice. Uh, so the other thing that's totally amazing about Chinese medicine is the things that it can help. I often tell my patients, if you are a tree, because in Chinese medicine, you are not different from nature. You're a part of nature. When the pressure changes outside and all of a sudden it goes from plus 10 to minus 10 Celsius in a matter of hours, people get headaches uh, so you, we are totally affected by the seasons, by, by what's happening and going on outside. So we often relate human beings to being a tree. 
if your branch is broken or on, on fire, you need to go to the hospital because Western medicine is phenomenal at treating kind of life or death or very serious concerns. But if you have a slow-growing fungus on your tree, there's not a very good chance that Western medicine is going to take care of it. It's just not built for that sort of thing. So I, I absolutely love how Chinese medicine really fills in the gaps uh, and complements Western medicine in, in these situations. So that's what I, I really, really love about Chinese medicine. And what's amazing for me is no two days are the same. No two hours are the same. A new patient is coming in. They might have headache, just like somebody I saw last week. But we have a saying in Chinese medicine, same disease, different treatment, different disease, same treatment. And what this means is we are diagnosing according to the branch and the root, again, using the tree metaphor. So I'm zooming out and looking at a patient as a whole person. Right. Western medicine is phenomenal because it zooms in as far as it can go and it fixes very small parts. It doesn't look at the whole system, and that's okay. Uh, but Chinese medicine zooms out, and it says, well, these three branches of the tree are actually related to the same root cause. So that's why we have that saying. So if I have a patient that has headache, again, and I can line five people up that have headache, well, three of them might have the same mechanism, root cause, and two other ones have two different causes. So I have to approach them from a totally different angle from a Chinese medicine point of view. However, if I had somebody who has a headache, I have somebody else who has painful menstruation, I have somebody who is very irritable and they're having lots of uh, irritability symptoms, I can line all those three people up and I can treat them the exact same way. Uh, So Chinese medicine has caused me to do what I call like the zoom out on. So I zoom out on my life. I zoom out on relationships. I zoom out on, on situations. Uh, it's how it, it, it allows me to see the, the bigger picture. Uh, so that's definitely how it's influenced my life and what, what I love about it. I love thinking of it like that. And it is true because Chinese medicine is addressing the whole body and the, the whole person and looking at all the factors that could be influencing their pain and and whatever affliction they have at the time. And I, it's, you know, it's interesting and good and, um, to hear you talk about how it complements Western medicine as well and that, that you can work together and each play a role in, pers- in, in a person's health. Definitely. I, I think one thing that doesn't serve us as Chinese medicine practitioners is to poo-poo anything, really. Uh, if a, there's, I've had a couple of hernia operations. You know, Western medicine has, you know, kind of, if you will, saved my life, so to speak, or made my life a lot better. And Chinese medicine has made my life a lot better. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that, uh, I think they need, you know, I think we just all need to get along and we need to know what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. And then we can help each other out. Yeah. What are some of the cases that you've had that have been interesting and fascinating for you to try and heal? And um, what was your approach in trying to help those people? My approach to help anybody is to try and put myself in their shoes. What I, what I try to do is think about if I was this patient with, with my knowledge and experience, what acupuncture points would I perform on myself? Uh, what herbs would I prescribe 
for myself, would I prescribe myself a movement therapy? Would I, whether it's Qigong or Tai Chi, would I eat certain foods? So that's a huge, that plays a huge part in my, in my practice. And I'm very passionate and, and almost aggressive, if you will. I, I really like to get in there and do things, especially when I'm training martial arts and that, that sort of thing. So that approach is, is, what I take in my clinic. So when I put myself, so what I'm saying is when I put myself in my patient's shoes, being the impatient, passionate, aggressive, want to get stuff done guy that I am, I'm, I'm always thinking about, I want my patient better yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a huge thing for me. One of the most, there's been two cases over the last 11 years that have been the most gratifying, if you will. One gentleman, he was over 80 years old, and he had had four back-to-back-to-back strokes. Oh, wow. And he went from driving his car, and when he walked to my clinic, he was using a walker. Mm. And I was probably in my second year of practice and feeling still pretty green about things. And he said, can you help me? And I said, I have no idea, but let's try and I'm the let's try guy. I'm not the used car salesman type. You don't come see me three times a week for the rest of your life. Uh, I'm not going to try and sell you something. If you've got something serious, let's try. Let's try three, four, five treatments. Whatever you, your time and your financial ability can stand. He came in for no word of a lie, four acupuncture treatments. And wow. he, was driving, he was driving his car again. Ah. Uh. He got his license back. So that was like completely mind-blowing. And, you know, I I often tell my patients this and I tell upcoming practitioners this. When we're trying to communicate to our patients how long it's going to take for them to heal, oftentimes we don't know. We have good ballpark figures. So, you know, most conditions once a week for 8 to 10 weeks. Menstrual conditions once a week for 12 weeks. So that ends up being like three cycles worth, if you will. You know, uh, uh, skin conditions, hair growth, uh, alopecia in women, you know, can take up to 30 weekly treatments. It, you know, I, we have to like almost like build blood from the base. And, and, and that's really difficult to do with just acupuncture alone. Herbs help a lot. So here I have a patient, four strokes, four treatments, backdriving his car. I remember having a patient in student clinic, uh, tennis elbow of all things. Uh, she was a drafts person, uh, nine acupuncture treatments, and then she's just started to get results. So, you know, where the logic in that is, I have no idea, but again, yeah. influencing the body to heal. Uh, another really, really cool story was, uh, I, I knew a gentleman that also practiced martial arts, but I didn't know his background him and his wife had been trying to get pregnant for years and they had two failed IVFs that they paid obviously out of pocket for uh, thousands and thousands of dollars. And they were even looking at adoption and adoption. Like I said, I, I'm adopted and adoption has changed so much over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. And I remember him lamenting to me that they're almost, we're treating him like a criminal and he, he almost just wanted to give up because the adoption process was so caustic and or costing rather. Mm. And I just said to him, I said, you know what I do for a living? And yeah. And I said, why don't you try? Like, let's just try. So he, I said, the best is when we don't blame everything on the woman. <laughs> so yeah. I treat a lot of fertility concerns, but it all of a sudden only the woman's coming. I said, no, no, no. Like if you want top results, 
both parties involved should come. Two acupuncture treatments, each twins. Oh my goodness. So, and that gave me the chills. (laughs) (laughs) these things just completely blow me away. So those are, you know, the the gentleman with the stroke, the couple who had two failed IVS and and were unable to get pregnant. And it was, you know, two acupuncture treatments later. Um, you know, those, those are, those are great victories, uh, in, in, in my practice, you know, and at the same time, patients have come in like for tennis elbow nine treatments, back pain, can't fix it, you know, find out oftentimes when I can't fix something. However, I find out that, it's broken. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it's not a functional problem. A lot of times we have somebody who comes in with knee pain, but you find out that they've completely torn their tendon, uh, and you, or you find out that somebody's broken their back. Um, you know, th- those are those are quite serious, and that's when again you go see your Western medical professional because that's their specialty. Um, but yeah, so so I've had I've had my victories and I've had my losses in clinic for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love those stories. That is really amazing. And I I can't believe the changes that those, you know, that occurred in those people's lives from the acupuncture treatments. That's really, that's really cool. So let's see, I want to talk to you a little bit more about who you are and what makes you tick, Kenton. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about your mindset and philosophy in life. I have a never say die attitude and in business and life, I kind of have a mantra that I kind of repeat over and over. It's whoever lasts the longest wins <laughs> because one of the elephants in the room that I talk about on, on, you know, on Instagram and on podcast and all these things is that the elephant in the room is that when the Chinese medicine graduate passes their provincial or state examination, they are officially a small business owner. They are officially an entrepreneur. And this is extremely disconcerting for lots of people. And I've torn down and built practices a few times in my career so far. And I, I have really learned that if I could just have a stubborn stick it outedness, I will survive, I will win, I will be able to influence my community with health and healing and I'll be able to feed my family. This mindset took a lot of time and it took Mm -hmm. a lot of other people's involvement in me, mentorship in me. There's no way that I just kind of woke up one day and said, Oh, I'm, I'm the never say die guy. Like, no, it, it, it took a lot of personal and self growth to kind of get to the point where, now, when I make a decision, it's as fast as a light switch. Mm-hmm. So, and I have to be very cognizant of the amount of personal growth that I've had because if a patient comes to me and says, I want to quit smoking, my quick flippant response is, We'll quit smoking already. Mm-hmm. Because if you said you want, and they said, Well, it's addictive, and my friends smoke, and my partner smoke, and I like smoking on break, I said, But wait a minute, you just told me you wanted to quit smoking. So, why don't you just quit smoking? And and I yeah. know it's more and being a you know a, a Chinese medicine practitioner and a, and a healer, I know it's more complex than that. But due to mindset training, if you will, I I almost I I have tr- 
I'm always trying to figure out how I can get my patient to do what I do and do what other people to do, and that's make quick decisions. Um, so that's kind of yeah. So that's kind of my mindset. And like I said, it, it, it I think we're all on a journey, and I think that it takes time. It, if you if you want something, keep at it. It's worth it. I'm I have absolutely no problem telling people that. It took me about a year and a half to two years to get really, really good at acupuncture, mm-hmm. like out of school. Like I, but that was due to the amount of mentorship and, that I had. But it took me tw- over twenty years to get good at martial arts, kung fu. Yeah, and that was due to the lack of mentorship until I got to about year twenty, and I met a gentleman by the name of Suki Gozao out of Abbotsford, BC, originally from the UK, and he was a huge influence on mindset training. He was a big believer in mindset first, conditioning second, and then skill set third in that order. Can you repeat his name for our listeners? Yeah, Suki Gozal, S-U-K-I and then G-O-S-A-L. Okay. And uh, just just a phenomenal martial artist. If you Google his name, uh, you'll come up with – I've interviewed him for – you know, martial arts magazines. He, uh, he was instrumental in, in my martial arts career and he put me kind of on a path to reaching out, if you will, and looking for mentors from afar, I would call. So while, you know, we would send emails, they wouldn't be emails, they'd be novels. And then MSN messenger was a big thing. And then texting of course, and FaceTime and all this sorts of things. So uh, he spent countless hours over an eight-year period, uh, eight-year-plus period with me, mentoring me, helping me. But that kind of influenced my ability. You know, I did a lot of research on a gentleman by the name of Jeff Thompson, who's a, who is a top UK martial artist, and that led me to Al Peasland, top UK martial artist. And these gentlemen were really, really big on mindset. Uh, of course, that kind of led me to people like Eric Thomas, also, he was known as the hip hop preacher, and I watched his journey in the early days of you know quitting his job and going on YouTube and creating inspirational and motivational videos. And now he's got contracts with the NBA and, and the NFL, and he goes in and he does motivation. He doesn't really call himself a motivational speaker, but that's the best way to describe him. And and his mindset and and affected me. And then of course there's people like Gary Vaynerchuk. Who, who is a big proponent of consume my stuff, but eventually you're going to have to stop consuming my stuff and you're going to have to go do what I do. Um, I follow him on Instagram, Syat Fitness, who is Gary Vaynerchuk's personal fitness trainer. He's a hoot uh, to, to, to watch on Instagram. But again, he's got a similar message, like don't, do, don't watch what I do, do what I do. So yeah, yeah. so when it comes to mindset, I'm always looking at the winners, the people who are affecting change. Uh, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. I think that he, you know, he, he, he kind of, his stuff led me into like researching NLP, neurolinguistic programming. I think anybody who's been a martial artist for a long period of time, you know, does these things and, and starts to branch out because initially you think that at least I thought, and, I, and people are probably along the same boat as me, but initially I thought that by learning a Kung Fu skill, I would be good at Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. 
And you kind of get into this, I got into this thing where I was thinking all the time, if I just learned how to do this properly, if I just learned this new technique, or if I just learned this new approach, I'll finally get good. And there is a part of that because if you learn crap martial arts, it can get you into trouble and you don't function well when you're against somebody who you're pressure testing with. But a, but a huge part, like Suki said, was just mindset. So once I got my head right, and he knew that it would take me time to get my head right. So what he told me to do initially was run hill sprints, skip rope, you know, push-ups, mm-hmm. sit-ups, heavy bag, lift weights, do stuff. And so that was the conditioning portion. So remember, like mindset, then conditioning, then skill set in that order. But when we approach things, we approach it generally in reverse. First, we get the skill set. And then through training the skill set, then you get your conditioning. And then those combined over a long period of time and hopefully in situations that are healthy for you that builds your mindset so it's kind of a funny way of going about things we kind of go about it in reverse and maybe we should go about it the other way maybe we should have everybody in all types of fields learn mindset first yeah (laughs) but yeah and that isn't easy to learn like you said it took you it takes a lot of yeah it took time and mentorship do you feel like you know one of your other hats that you wear is being a therapist because right. <laughs> you're trying to explain, you know, how their mind, how your patient's mindsets can affect their overall health. Right. And one big thing that I do in clinic, I'll never forget kind of a light bulb moment went off for me. I, I was teaching for a Chinese medicine college and I had one of my students who was actually a physiotherapist who was going back to learn Chinese medicine. It was a phenomenal idea. And she said to me when we got out of, she watched me perform acupuncture on a patient coming into the student clinic. And I was helping the students learn how to do acupuncture in the clinic. And she said to me, have you ever noticed the language that you use in the, in the clinic room? And I said, what do you mean? She says, I can... You say perfect, great job. You're doing you're you're doing a phenomenal job. This is what this acupuncture point is. She said the language that you use is always positive, uplifting. You're always complimenting the patient on how they're putting up with you putting stainless steel inside their body, etc. And that that was kind of a light bulb moment for me when I realized, wow, in a therapeutic exchange, there is so much going on. We know that when we go see any type of medical practitioner, Eastern, Western, whatever, if they don't have good bedside manner, as we kind of call it here in the West, then we're not really going to get along with them. And we kind of poke fun at the specialists or the, you know, the anesthesiologist who has the bedside manner of a a door. Uh, But these things really, really matter. Yeah. So when you talk about what happens in clinic, I've... I've really put a lot of effort into, after that light bulb moment went off for me, I have put a lot of effort into the language that I use, the body language that I use. And how I do this is I point a finger back at myself and I say, how do I feel, how, how, how do I feel my patient wants to view me? Do they want the Kenton that just got cut off by three people on the way to work and, mm-hmm. you know, had a fight with, you know, his best friend, do they want that Kenton? No, they don't want that Kenton. 
Right. They want the Kenton that is going to uplift them, exact change. And we have to match those. If I have a patient that came in that just put down their, their golden retriever, I'm not mm-hmm. happy bubbly Kenton, but I'm compassionate, but I'm, I'm maybe one notch above them instead of five notches above them because I still want them to benefit from that therapeutic exchange. Um, I have absolutely no problem with placebo. I think that saying that placebo is a dirty word is wrong. Um, When I walk in again to a medical office and see a medical doctor, if they're meek and shy and they think, well, they say, I think we should do this. What do you mean you think? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, It kind of puts me off. So the therapeutic exchange in the clinic, uh, is, is important and, and, and there's a dance there happening for sure. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to go to a practitioner who's not sure what they're doing to treat you. I've been in that situation. <laughs> it's right. not very fun and it's not comfortable. And then you don't trust the therapy. And yes. I think that in itself will can affect whether you heal or not if you don't believe in what is happening for you. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it all it all plays part. I, I tell my patients all the time: if it's you versus me, you win. If it's you yeah. versus my herbs, you win. Yeah. So there have been a handful, five patients in my career, let's say, where I've actually, you know, let them go. Or do mm-hmm. do you really want to get better? Is this pattern of emotional disharmony, if you will, is, is that pattern serving you? Yes, it is serving me. Okay. Well, when you decide that it's no longer serving you, you come back and see me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I can take the biggest skeptic off the street and make them a believer. The trick is, if you will, with any therapy, and just like you said, they got to want to get better. Right. Do you want to get better? There are people, and, and I don't fault them, because of whatever happened in their childhood or their life situation or whatever, they might be stuck in a pattern that is serving them. But when they decide that that is no longer serving them at that, their patterns are actually damaging to their health or their life situation. Uh, that's when I, that's when I think that anything and everything can, can really benefit them. So, yeah, yeah, that's so true. So, Kenton, um, when you are talking to your patients, what are some of the advice that you give them for daily practices of health? And what do you do yourself to stay healthy? And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's kind of a two-parter. Um, I'll talk about my patients first. One thing I try to not do is proselytize anything to my patients. Mm-hmm. I try to have a very organic conversation with my patients we talk about compliance a lot in, 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 in Chinese medicine and Western medicine. Oh, are your, are your parents, patients compliant? Are they taking their pharmaceuticals? Are they taking their herbs? Are they eating what you told them to eat and not eating what you told them to stay away from and all these sorts of things? I think <clears throat> at having those conversations with our patients takes time and it takes rapport. So I would absolutely love nothing more than my patients to switch up their diet for eating what I call real food, to adopt a movement practice, to belly breathe. <clears throat> I have my own personal acronym that I share with my patients, and it's called, uh, and, I, and I, when I teach Qigong or Tai Chi 
or even Kung Fu. It's called BPM and it's breathing posture movement. And I really believe that if we have a breathing practice where we have, we can control our abdomen and we can do diaphragmatic breathing. I think that's extremely beneficial posture, adopting a very good posture, head up high, shoulder blades back and down, butt tight, which neutralizes the lower spine, soft knees, and keeping this alignment that is taught throughout Chinese martial arts when we pull our lawnmower, when we pull our snowblower, when we lift groceries out of the car. I think this would help a lot. Uh, squatting to pick up a pen that you dropped instead of bending over at the waist. Th- this is important. I think uh, learning how to lift weights ext- is, is extremely helpful. When you learn how to squat and deadlift, uh, when you learn how to do a pull-up, a chin-up, these body mechanics are present in throughout daily life. And then last but not least, movement. And I kind of uh, talked about that already, but having some sort of movement practice. So I would absolutely love to just hit my patients with everything. You need breathing, posture, movement, and a clean diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't because exercise and diet especially are emotionally charged topics. So what I have to do or what I try to do in clinic is I start to develop rapport with them by exacting change through acupuncture and Chinese medicine therapies. Right. That hopefully builds rapport and then it opens the floodgate to having this dialogue where somebody says, well, why do you think I have so much phlegm? Well, looking at your tongue and your pulse and all these other symptoms – do you consume any dairy products? Yes, I consume lots of dairy products. I have dairy products seven times a day. Okay, so do me a huge favor. Let's just try no dairy products for six weeks. And Okay, and so sometimes I get some compliance because they just want to get better, darn it, and they'll try anything. Uh, and sometimes I, I'm met with you know an obstacle. Well, like, you're not going to make me give up cheese. I love cheese. But that, at least we start the dialogue, you know, and, and – and magical things happen when that when when a patient starts walking a certain path, and patients have shocked the heck out of me by telling me, you know, three four treatments in, hey, guess what? I stopped eating dairy. I have no more post nasal drip, and I found a yoga studio that is convenient for me, and it's on the way home from work, and I'm absolutely loving it. Mm. Wow, I'm, I'm totally floored. So so that's kind of to answer your question. So. I do have these dialogues with my patients when I have built rapport and I am very careful to tippy toe around these conversations because the minute you tell somebody that they can't eat something or that they have to exercise, we view it almost as, I guess, shaming. Right. And I'm extremely careful. I think that everybody is just perfect and beautiful in their own way. That's the yin, Mm -hmm. and then the yang is improve yourself, darn it. So, you know, I I play that card with myself too. I I say I'm I'm great the way I am on one side of the coin, on the yin side, and then on the yang side is I still have lots of room for improvement. So I see that with my patients, and I'm always trying to do a little bit of a a dance to not offend them Mm -hmm. while – stoking a little bit of a fire while trying to be a catalyst for change as Bruce Lee would have said. Yeah. Um, my own personal practices include breathing posture movement and a lot of self acupuncture. 
Uh, we have a saying in Chinese medicine, it's probably present in lots of other medicine or practices, is he who treats himself has a fool for a patient. And that's something that I was taught in Chinese medicine college, and it's something that I think is wrong. As a health professional, how am I to know what works on my patient if I don't even know if it's going to work on myself, so to speak? So I think it's important for me to practice on myself. And Mm -hmm. the older I get, the better I get at Chinese medicine. Because eventually you become, I don't know, 32 years old and you get shingles for the first time. And because you have a totally stressful episode in your life and you get shingles for the first time, well, I know how to treat this with Chinese medicine, but maybe I've never treated in the clinic before or this, that, the other things. Do you treat yourself? And one of the best things that happened to me is I worked in a multidisciplinary clinic for almost 10 years. So I got to work alongside naturopathic doctors and massage therapists and physiotherapists and doctor of chiropractic. And you really learn how to kind of heal yourself. So a big part of my health routine is to give myself acupuncture anywhere from two to three times a week. Uh, and, and this would just look like me sitting down watching Netflix and putting a few needles, <laughs> few needles in me to, you know, just, just to relax muscle tension, to help uh, digestive motility, those sorts of things. I train martial arts and I move my body a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're not going to find me downtown at the club getting into mm-hmm. a fight, getting into a fight, getting drunk, all these kind of things. I'm in a, you know, totally different zone in my life now. Mm-hmm. You're either going to find me at doing martial arts, you're going to find me at work, you're going to find me at home. Uh, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs, I don't gamble. I don't do anything that I feel would affect my martial arts practice. My martial arts practice is like huge for me. And when somebody calls me up and they say, hey, you want to train Sunday morning at 8 a.m.? I can say, yes, I can, because I'm not going to be hungover. Mm -hmm. Um, And so martial arts has become a movement practice for me now in the later, in the kind of middle age stage of my life. Uh, I just recently took up hip hop dancing for the first time. That's so Uh, cool. I've never danced a, a, a day in my life. Of course, when you're you know, six years old, you're and you go to a wedding. Your mom is like, "Oh, you're such a good dancer." That's your mom saying that you're a good dancer. You don't know if you're a good dancer or not. But <laughs> I, I took up uh, hip hop dancing, and that has been phenomenal for my Chinese kung fu practice, my Brazilian jiu jitsu practice. It is making it's. You know, I, I we have our we have this beautiful shell that we've been given for an undetermined amount of time. We should figure out what we can do with it. Can I pick heavy stuff up with it? Can I mm-hmm. pick my body up with it? Can I dance with it? Can I punch and kick and grapple with it? Um, what, what, what can I do with my human body? So, so yeah, so the movement, eating real food, and you know, giving myself lots of self-acupuncture and, and taking the odd Chinese herb when I know exactly the pattern that's going on in myself. I don't mess around too much. Those are ways that I keep myself healthy. Mm -hmm. How much did your training involve Chinese herbal medicine when you went to the the acupuncture school? I I assume it 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 goes over a lot of it. Yeah, Yeah, there was a huge amount. When you go to Chinese medicine college, you learn single herbs. Then you learn how to pair herbs. 
then you learn what's known as Chinese patents. So there's the little black balls that you can get down in Chinatown. And then you learn formulas. So there's a huge, there's a huge amount of Chinese herbs. Uh, I've used the Plum Dragon products. I absolutely love them. The, the first thing I noticed when I opened the package of the Dejiao, I, I wrote this on my Instagram and I said, you know, I'm not getting paid for this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, want, I don't want anybody to think like I'm endorsed by this or something like that. But like, I really wanted to try the product. I'm a huge fan of Chinese medicine in general and old practices. You know, Dejiao has been around forever and it's always been a, a huge part of health and healing especially in a martial artist's life. And the first thing I noticed when I opened the Ditta Jiao was the smell. Mm-hmm. It smelled like Ditta Jiao. It didn't smell like camphor and menthol and some, you know, kind of our usual rub A535 stuff. It smelled like, you know, Chinese rice wine and herbs that have been sitting in a, in a vat and, and for, you know, really potent stuff. Right. Um, and it just brought me back, you know, to... I don't know. It just brought me back to like old Kung Fu days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it, uh, so that was the first thing I noticed. I apply it to, we do a lot of punching in Wing Chun Kung Fu and non-classical Kung Fu, uh, who was, uh, uh, Bruce Lee's first student was Jesse Glover and, uh, Jesse Glover taught Suki Goes Out and he taught me the, some Wing Chun s- stuff and, but mostly the non-classical Kung Fu, uh, punching drills. So there's a lot of action happening with my knuckles. So I apply the product before I punch, uh, especially when I punch the, the focus mitts, and I apply it after. And my recovery time is, is a lot faster. And, and, that, and that is a huge thing because if I'm going to do a lot, you know, like I said, I'm probably training martial arts five, six times a week. I'm punching mitts. I'm punching mitts. I'm punching mitts. Uh, that, it's really, really important. I'm lifting weights. Maybe I strain my knee and I'll put some dittaja on my knee after because I'll, I'm already putting it on my hands. So it's definitely helped my recovery time. Yeah. That's not something that's in my head. I've been at martial arts for long enough to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, as a martial artist who wants to, who wants to train and has to train, if you will, uh, multiple times during a week, r- recovery is, is what it's all about. So, you know, not only do I have to get good sleep, I got to stay hydrated. I got to eat real food. I've got to watch comedy, stay positive mindset, all that kind of stuff. If I can get a little bit of an edge uh, with something like a Ditta Jiao, I'm on it. Yeah. It's so fascinating to me how you're, like you said at the beginning of our conversation, you know, your job is to heal people, but you're also in a form of art that hurts people and hurts yourself. And so (laughs) your whole life revolves around pain, basically. (laughs) You know, I, I, I don't know if I can jump in there, but you know what I think is really important is that, and it's something that I try to teach people that train with me or that, that maybe I have a long standing rapport in the clinic with is that pain is bad. There's no question. If I have lots of weight on the bar and I squat and my knee screams at me, mm-hmm. we're done for the day. I have to figure out what I've done wrong. Did I not torque my legs outward? Like I got to figure out what I did wrong. Discomfort is not a bad thing. We have a saying in Chinese medicine that ice is for dead people. And that's why like herbs like that did that Jiao have in it are usually, they're very hot. They promote blood circulation because they're very hot. If I sprain my ankle, the 
the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to put ice on it. But in Chinese medicine, we say, no, that's not right. And Dr. Merkin, back in 20, 2015, I think, on his website, if you go to drmerkin.com, he's the guy. He's the guy who created Rest Ice Compression Elevation, the RICE acronym, that got written into all the physiotherapy and medical textbooks. He recanted his statement and said, I am wrong. So mm-hmm. it's been in there since the 70s. How are we going to change that? But what I'm trying to say, get to is that Chinese medicine says ice is for dead people, put heat on it. So we're big proponents of heat. So hot water bottle, magic bag, moxa, which is the burning of mugwort to heat the area. If, you, if, the, if I sprain my ankle and I've got swelling and heat and pain, and I have pain because I have heat and swelling, what's going to happen when I put heat on my ankle? It's going to increase my body's ability to heal. Merkin said, I'm wrong with the ice. It slows the body's ability to heal. I'm sorry. Well, let's put heat on it. Well, guess what's going to happen? The pain level's going to go up. The discomfort is going to go up. We are a weak bunch of human beings, I tell you, Janelle. We want to move away from discomfort. We should move away from pain. There's no question, but we want to move away from discomfort. But where discomfort is, that's where the magic happens. I would say where the where the where the discomfort is, that's the gap. Right. That that's don't move towards pain. That's bad. But discomfort, you want to go get a doctorate. You want to go get a PhD. That's going to be uncomfortable. You want to go get acupuncture done and I'm going to create the chi, a little bit of an aching sensation. Uh, that's going to be a little uncomfortable. You want to get your black belt in a martial art. That's going to be uncomfortable. You want to raise a bunch of wrangly teenage kids into adulthood. That's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but where the discomfort lies, that's the magic. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I really, really think so. You know, it's interesting you're talking about the practice, the common practice to ice things. We we actually have a blog post, Why Ice is Not Nice, that I want to send right you. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, was there anything that you wanted to share with our listeners or any anything that you felt like you, you had come prepared to talk about and haven't <laughs> talked about yet? <laughs> I don't think so. Um I don't think so. We, we covered so many things. I, I almost warn people, if you're going to get me talking about Chinese medicine or Chinese martial arts, I'm going to have a hard time shutting up. So oh. I, I, think, uh, I think we've covered a lot of, a lot of ground. At, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I try to, I'm trying to be here to help. So if anybody has any questions about Chinese medicine, Chinese martial arts, feel free to reach out. I'm, uh, I use Instagram a ton. I'm uh, TCM, so Traditional Chinese Medicine, TCM Graduate TV is my handle on Instagram and I have lots of people I do, you know, I, I, I help the up and comers in the Chinese medicine field is kind of my, my goal. I want people to feel more confident in the medicine that they've went to school for. That's a, that's a big shtick of mine. I feel like I was mentored so heavily in martial arts land and, and also in Chinese medicine land that, um, and, in, and not in a pompous ass way, but I feel like I have this, I had this, or maybe I have, or whatever, this unfair advantage. And I feel like people aren't being mentored enough these days. I think that mentorship um, 
is an important thing in life and business and finance and martial arts and Chinese medicine. So, um, so yeah, so don't, don't be shy. Feel free to send me a DM or ask a question on one of my posts and, and, uh, I will respond. Yeah. And I can vouch for that. (laughs) And being an avid reader of your Instagram posts, you know, I can also vouch for the fact that there's no question that you won't answer. Like you, (laughs) like you've talked about, um, you know, whether it's fertility issues or back aches or neck pain, you know, you're able to help people with their questions and problems and you don't avoid, you know, any topics, which I love. That's great. No, I don't. And I, when I teach, you know, for continuing education seminars or conferences and that sort of stuff, I, I really try to develop rapport quickly with the audience because I want them to ask me about the pee and the poop and the fertility and the business side. And, and let's have honest conversations about everything uh, because I think that just helps with everybody's growth. Yeah. Yes. Raw honesty. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's great. Compassion. (laughs) That's true. It's so true. Well, thank you so much. I know we appreciate your raw honesty and being so real and sharing your your thoughts and with everyone that's listening to this podcast and on your social media platforms and letting us take a peek into your life. And um, that that's been fun for me and I'm sure it'll be fun for other people as they um, hopefully start to follow you and and see what you're all about and and to learn from all that you can teach them about acupuncture and Chinese medicine and and how you've grown with martial arts perfect well thank you for this opportunity It's, it's super fun I hope we get to chat again and thanks to all our listeners for joining us today for more great stuff from Kent and Sefsik, be sure to visit us at plumdragonherbs.com. We will post show notes and ways to connect with Kenton. And if you like the show, send us a comment on our YouTube channel. Until next time.